1: On today's Alightown Literature, we continue by presenting the book Two Years in the Forbidden City by Princess Dirling. Today, Man Lin narrates the eighth chapter of the book, The Court Ladies, Part A. The Court Ladies were trusted above all others by Her Majesty, the Empress Daoje Cixi, even more than the eunuchs. However, to them, she remained the most disliked or feared person in their lives, Darling, is fed gossip about how unpredictable and wicked the Supreme Lady is, which seems at odds with her own observations.
2: After we got through our lunching, I followed the young Empress, for it was all so new to me, and I did not know what I must do, whether to join Her Majesty or not. After seeing that they were jealous of me, I paid strict attention to everything so as not to make any mistake in doing my work and let them have the satisfaction of laughing at me. I would not give them the chance. I heard Her Majesty talking to the eunuchs who looked after the garden about some branches which ought to be cut down, saying they were lazy. So we went to her. She said to us, You see, I have to look after everything myself. If not, my flowers would be ruined. I can't depend on them at all. I wonder what they are good for. They ought to look around every day and cut down the dead branches and leaves. They have not been punished for several days and they are looking forward to it. She laughed and said, I will not disappoint them, but give them all they wish to have. I thought these people must be idiots looking forward to a whipping and wondered who would whip them. Her Majesty turned to me and said, have you ever witnessed such an operation? I told her that I had. Having seen the convicts being whipped at a magistrate's yamen when I was a little girl living at Shanxi on the Yenzi. she said, that is nothing. The convicts are not half so wicked at these eunuchs. Of course, they deserve a heavier punishment when they are bad. Her Majesty said that I should learn to play dice with her as she never had enough people to play with. So we went back to the same room where she had taken her lunch. A square table was in the middle of this large room and the little throne of Her Majesty's facing south, her favorite direction. Her Majesty sat on her throne and said to me, I will show you how to play this game. Do you think you know enough Chinese to read this map? I noticed a large map, the same size as the table, and laid upon it, drawn in different colors. In the center of the map was written the direction of the game. It said, this game is called the Eight Fairies Travel Across the Sea. The name's are Li Xian, Chang Xian, Li Xian. Lan Xian, Han Xian, Cao Xian, and Han Xian. These seven were masculine fairies. He Xian was the only lady fairy. This map was the map of the Chinese empire, and the name of the different provinces were written on the drawing. There were eight pieces of round ivory, about one inch and a half in diameter, and a quarter of an inch thick. The names of these fairies were engraved upon them. This game could be played either by eight people or four people when each person had to take two fairies' places instead of one. A porcelain ball was placed in the center of the map to compare the point by throwing six dice into the ball. For instance... Four people play. One throws these six dice into the bowl and counts the points on them. The highest that one could get was 36, and should 36 be thrown, the fairy should go to Hangzhou to enjoy the beautiful scenery. This person threw dice for Lushian and had 36 points and placed this ivory piece of Lushian on Hangzhou upon the map. The same person has to throw another time for another fairy, so each person throws twice if four people play the game, and once if played by eight. These different points count different provinces. They are counted thus, six dice alike. One pair in six dice to three pairs. The lowest was the double one, two, three, if any unfortunate fairy got this, he should go on exile and be left out altogether. Any one or the fairies that traveled round the map to reach the Imperial Palace the first was the winner. I read this to Her Majesty. She seemed to be quite pleased and said, I had no idea that you could read so well. This game was my own invention and I taught three court ladies to play. I had a very hard time teaching them. I also taught them how to read Chinese in order to play the game, but it took them so long to learn anything that I got quite discouraged before I got through with them. I'm sure you know how to play it now. I was very much surprised to hear that these court ladies were as ignorant as this. I thought they must be excellent scholars, so did not dare to show my knowledge of Chinese literature. We began to play the game. Her Majesty was lucky. The two fairies held by her were way ahead of ours. One of the court ladies said to me, You will be surprised to see that Lao tzu is always the winner. Her Majesty smiled and said to me, You will never be able to catch my fairies, she said. You are the first day here to play this game, and if any of your fairies beat any of mine, I will give you a nice present. So hurry up. I thought I could never get ahead of her fairies, For they were so far ahead of mine, but I tried hard, as Her Majesty told me to call out for the points I wanted. I did, but it came out something so different that it amused her a great deal. I had no idea how long we were playing this game. We counted who came next, and that was one of my fairies. So Her Majesty said to me, I was sure you could not beat me, as no one could. Seeing that yours are next to mine, I will give you the present just at the same. While she was saying this, she told a servant girl to bring her some embroidered handkerchiefs. This girl brought several colored ones to her, and she asked me what color I preferred. She handed me a pink one and a pale blue one, all embroidered with purple wisteria, and said, these two are the best and I want you to take them. I was just going to thank her by bowing to the ground, but I found that my legs could not move. I tried hard and succeeded finally with difficulty. Her Majesty laughed very heartily at me and said, You see, you are not accustomed to standing so long and you cannot bend your knees anymore. Although my legs were sore, I thought I had better not to show it, but smiled and told her that it was nothing, only my legs were a little stiff, that was all. She said, "'You must go and sit on the veranda and rest a minute.' I was only too glad to sit down, so I went to the veranda and found the young empress sitting there with several court ladies. The young empress said, "'You must be tired.' standing so long. Come and sit near me. My legs were very stiff and my back was tired. Of course, Her Majesty did not know how uncomfortable we were while she was sitting on her cozy throne. Foreign attire is out of the question for the Imperial Palace of Peking. I had hoped that Her Majesty would tell us to change into our Manchu gowns. I noticed that she asked many questions every day about foreign costumes and she said, the foreign costume is not any prettier than ours and I should say they must be quite uncomfortable round one's waist. I wouldn't be squeezed that way for anything. Although she was saying such things, she did not suggest that we should give them up, so we had to wait patiently for her orders. The young empress took her watch out of her pocket and said to me, This game has lasted just two hours. I said to her that it seemed to me longer than that. While we were talking, I saw our own eunuchs bring four round boxes made of thin board carried at each end of bamboo poles. They put them down near where we sat, and one of them brought me a cup of tea. When my mother and sister came, the same eunuch brought another two cups, and there were several court ladies talking with us. This eunuch did not give them any. I noticed at the other end of this long veranda there were another two boxes exactly the same as these and a big tall eunuch made tea and brought it to the young empress in a yellow porcelain cup with a silver saucer and a silver top cover. He did not give any to the others. I was puzzled when one of the court ladies sitting next to me said, would you mind telling one, our head eunuch, to give me a cup of your tea just to save me the trouble to go and get it from the small room at the end of this long veranda? I gave her such a surprised look, for I did not know that this was our tea, but I thought I'd just tell one to bring her a cup and find out afterwards the reason, for I would give anything in the world rather than appear ignorant before those people. While we were talking, Her Majesty came out. Before she reached the veranda, I got up and told the young Empress that Her Majesty was coming. I saw her first because I sat facing her back hall. Her Majesty said to us all, It is almost three o'clock now and I'm going to rest a while. Let us leave here. We all stood in the line for her to enter her chair and then we went to ours. It was quite a fast ride and we got out of our chairs before arriving at the courtyard of her own palace. We walked ahead of her chair and formed into another line for her to alight. She walked to her bedroom, and we all followed. A eunuch brought her a cup of hot water, and another brought a bowl of sugar. She took her golden spoon and took two teaspoonfuls of sugar and put it into her cup of hot water and drank it very slowly. She said, You know, before one goes to sleep or ever lies down, sugar water will quiet one's nerves. I always take it and find it very good indeed. She took the flowers off her headdress and I fixed them back in their boxes at once and placed them in the jewel room. When I came out of this jewel room, she was in bed already and said to us, You all go and rest a while. I don't need you now.
0: Ever wondered what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn slash podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people.
2: We retired from her room, but I noticed that 2 of love-the-court ladies did not come out with us. One of them said to me, I'm glad that I can rest a bit today for I have been sitting three afternoons in succession. At first, I did not know what she meant. Then she said, Oh, your turn has not come yet. We don't know whether you received the order or not. You know, two of us must stay with Her Majesty during her afternoon siesta to watch the eunuchs and the servant girls. I thought... That was the funniest thing I had ever heard of, and wondered how many people would be in her room. The young empress said, We had better go at once and rest ourselves, otherwise, Her Majesty will be up again before we get the chance. Of course, I had not the least idea how long she slept, so we went back to our rooms. I did not realize how tired I was until I sat down in my room. I felt finished and awfully sleepy at the same time, for I was not used to getting up at five o'clock. Everything was so new to me. As I sat there, my thoughts wandered to Paris, and I thought how strange it was that I used to go to bed at five o'clock after the dances and here. I had to get up at such a time all the surroundings seemed new to me seeing the eunuchs running here and there waiting on us as if they were chambermaids i told them that i didn't need them anymore i wanted them to go out of the room so that i could lie down a bit they brought us tea and different kinds of candies and asked what else was wanted I was just going to change into a comfortable dress when the eunuch came in and informed me that yo la la visitors have come, and two court ladies came, and another girl of about seventeen came in. I had seen her that very morning when I came to the palace, busy working, but I was not introduced to her. These two girls said. We have come to see you and also to find out if you are comfortable. I thought they were kind to come and see me that way, but I did not like their faces. They introduced this mean-looking girl to me and told me her name was Chun Shou, Graceful Long Life. She did not look as if her life would last long, being so thin and delicate. She looked sick and worn out, To me. I did not know who she was. She courtesied to me, and I returned to her in a sort of half way. I will explain about the courtesy. To Her Majesty, the Emperor, and the Young Empress, we went down and bent our knees, while we stood upright to the people of lower rank than ourselves. In this case, one must always wait while the inferior courtesies first and bend the knees a little bit in return. This was the way I returned Chun Shou's courtesy to me. The two girls then said, Chun Shou's father is only a small official, so she has not much standing at the court. She's not exactly a court lady, but she is not a servant girl either. I almost laughed right out to hear such a funny statement, and wondered what she must be. I saw her sitting down with the court ladies that very morning, so of course I asked her to sit down too, and these two court ladies asked me if I felt tired, and how I liked the Empress Dowager. I told them that Her Majesty was the most lovely lady I had ever seen and that I already loved her very much, although I had only been there a few days. They looked at Chun Shou and exchanged smiles. They did that in such a peculiar way that it annoyed me, they asked. Do you think you would like to live in this place? And how long do you intend to stay? I said, I would love to stay long and would do my best to wait on Her Majesty and be useful to her, for she had been so kind towards us in the short time we had been there. And besides, it was my duty to serve my sovereign and country. They laughed and said, we pity you, and I'm uh, sorry for you. You must not expect any appreciation here, no matter how hard you work. If you are really going to do as you have said just now, you will be disliked by everybody. I did not know what they were talking about or what their conversation referred to. I thought this was so strange that I had better put a stop to it. So I immediately changed the subject I asked them who dressed their hair and who made their shoes for them, as they had asked me. They answered my questions by saying that their maids did everything for them. Trincho said to these two girls, Tell her everything about this palace, and I'm sure she will change her mind when she actually sees things for herself. I told didn't like this Chun Shou and her face didn't impress me. She was a little bit of a thing, tiny head with thin lips. When she laughed, one could only hear the noise she made. No expression was on her face at all. I was just going to say something to them so as not to give them the opportunity of gossiping, but found they were too cunning. They noticed that I tried every way to stop them, so they said, Now let us tell you everything. No one else will know. We like you very much, and we want to give you some warning so as to be able to protect yourself whenever you are in trouble. I told them that I would take great care to do my work and didn't think that I would ever get into trouble. They laughed and said, That makes no difference. Her Majesty will find fault. I could not believe these things that they said and intended to tell them that I refused to hear such statements, but I thought I had better listen to what they had to say first and not to offend them, for I never believed in making enemies. I then told them that, It would be impossible for so sweet and kind-hearted a person like Lao Tzu Tsong, the old ancestor, to find fault with such helpless girls as we were, for we were her people and she could do anything she liked with us. They said, you don't know and have no idea how wicked this place is. Such torture and suffering one could not imagine. We are sure that you think you must be happy to be with the great Empress Dowager and proud to be her court lady. Your day hasn't come yet, for you all are new to her. Yes, she's extremely kind to you just now, but wait until she gets tired of you and then see what she will do. We have had enough and know what the court life is. Of course, you must have heard that Li Lian in the head eunuch, rules this palace behind Lao Tzu-chung's back. We are all afraid of him. He pretends that he cannot influence Lao Tzu-chung, but we always know the result after a long conversation consulting how to punish anyone. If any of us do anything wrong, we always go to him and beg him to help us out. Then he says he has no power to influence her majesty, and also that he dare not tell her much, for she would scold him. We hate all the eunuchs. They are such bad people. We can see very plainly they are awfully polite to you because they can see that you are in favor to receive such rudeness from them constantly as we do. Is unbearable.
1: And that was the first part of the eighth chapter of two years in the Forbidden City, written by Princess Sterling and narrated by Man Ling. Join us next time on A Light on Literature for the second half.
0: sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn/podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the China-